plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. On this Thursday, June 15th, 2017, I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe to it on either iTunes or Audio Boom and give it a good rating. On Thursdays, we do a mailbag show. Uh, these questions come from the comment section of gangreennation.com. So let's jump right in. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions. Our first question is, uh, with the newfound cap space the Jets have, is it wise to save it or to use it and eat the contracts of Forte, McClendon, and Screen, giving more young guys a shot and hopefully striking gold with uh, guys who can be part of the future with this team? Uh, it's you're not eating contracts. Uh, you actually create more cap space if you cut McClendon and Screen, and Forte would not be saving cap space, but he also would not cost the team in the long run anything to get rid of. Um, this year, if he plays with the Jets, his uh, cap number is five. He'll cost the Jets five million dollars, and then he'll count one million dollars against the uh cap next year and dead money if he's cut so you think about it five million this year one million next year so that's six million dollars if the jets cut him right now it's six million dollars in dead money against the cap so either way over the next two years whether you cut him now or you cut him next year it'll cost you six million dollars uh at least in terms of the cap so you're, you're looking at a wash uh, so it really, it's not a case of where you'd have to eat contracts, and I, I, I don't really see a lot of rationale. I don't see a big rationale behind keeping those guys, given the direction the Jets have headed. If you've pretty much decided that you know veteran leadership do- doesn't matter, and you're cutting even useful players like da- like a David Harris, an Eric Decker, a Nick Mangold, if you've decided the leadership doesn't matter, and you're cutting guys who can play. I don't really see the point in keeping guys who aren't as productive. You know, I think McClendon's a good player, but I don't really see his purpose on the team. I, I'm not sure what screen really brings to the table, and Forte obviously is probably not going to be on this team in 2018. So I, I think you know, I, I, I think I don't see if you're going to cut Decker and Harris, in, especially. I don't see why you'd keep these other guys. Forte is more of an interesting case because while the cap hit is the same, the, his contract is guaranteed. His money is guaranteed for this year, so he's making four million dollars whether he's on the team. You're paying him four million dollars if he's not on the team. You, you know, if you cut him, you're paying him four million dollars for nothing. So either way, you're paying him. So I guess the question is whether the GM is okay with going to the owner and saying, "Hey, I made a mistake. We got to cut Forte." And, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a tough thing for a GM to do to admit that he's made a mistake that big 
and it's also tough for the owner to say we're, we're paying this guy and he's not going to be on the team. But it's probably the right move. If you we're talking football, I would have to say at this point it's probably the right move because if you're paying Forte $4 million either way, then at least in terms of football, it doesn't make a difference. The only thing that the only difference is Forte is eating up a roster spot that could go to a player that could help you in the future. So from that standpoint, I think it makes sense to move on from all three of these guys. Um, our next question actually was emailed to me, and it also deals with uh, Matt Forte. So I guess it's uh, it's Matt Forte day on the fo- podcast. Uh, the Jets have me so confused, I can't remember that you if you've addressed this yet. Do you think the Jets should try and get a draft pick for Forte? I would think the first contender that loses a running back would call the Jets. Forte can't be happy with the team, but the money is good. Or is the contract too rich to trade? I don't think Forte is tradable. I think the contract has a lot to do with that. Um, but you're if you're a team looking to win, are you looking for a 31-year-old back coming off an injury who only ran for 3.7 yards per carry last year. I also don't think he's a very attractive player right now. I think if the Jets cut him, he may not find another job. Maybe he will, based on his reputation, but I don't think he's very attractive to other teams. And While you cannot say that yards per carry is the ultimate judge of a running back because so much, uh, so much more goes into it, including, you know, offensive line. The fact that Bilal Powell, on the, pretty much the same team last year, while Forte was running for 3.7 per carry, Bilal Powell was running for 5.5. That's a pretty uh, big mark against Forte right now. So I I, I don't think he's got any trade value. I, I don't think you could trade him. I don't think you could trade him for anything. Um, and we continue to... Uh, stay on the theme of trades, missed opportunities. As soon as the season ended, and this is the question, I suggested that the Jets basically rid themselves of any guy with a significant contract who would be unlikely to be on the team in two to three years. So I don't have a problem going with a full rebuild. But the season basically over at the halfway mark last year, is it unfair to judge McCagnan on his inability to put to get anything of value for Sheldon, Decker, Harris, prior, or prior other than Demario Davis? I can I understand the Jets probably were not going to get first round picks for these guys, but you know if you're going to do a full if you know you're going to do a full rebuild, why not get anything of value that you can? Well, I'm not sure that there was much of value they could get for any of those guys. It's not easy to pull trades in the NFL because ultimately teams are going to look at if a guy's a decent veteran, they're going to look at it and say. Well, if this if this team's offering me this guy in a trade, that probably means that they're going to cut him. If they're offering this guy for a late-round pick, what's that say? We know this guy's better. You know, if Jets offer Eric Decker for a late-round pick, some team's going to say, well, I know Decker's worth more than a late-round pick. Jets are cutting him, so I can just sign him. If I really want him, I can sign him on my own. And uh, that's you know, that's just the way it goes. There, you know, the other thing you can do is you can just say, well, we're going to sign a guy who's a free agent. That's what happened with Baltimore with Jeremy Macklin. Baltimore showed some interest in Decker, but it seems like, from at least from an outside perspective, that they said, you know what, we could trade something, we could lose a pick to get Decker, or we could just sign Jeremy Macklin and keep our pick and get a good receiver. And that's, you know, that was true before free agency. You know, and if you offer any of these guys before free agency, um, they'd say, you know, we'll just uh, 
we'll just sign a guy who plays that position and keep our pick. It's these trades are not easy to do in the NFL. Um, I think you can get on them for the prior trade because you got nothing of value for prior. You, I mean, the, if you're gonna, if all you're gonna get for prior is Demario Davis, you ought to just keep prior. There's, there's no, that was a pointless trade. So I think that one a little bit, but even then, you weren't getting a huge package for prior. You're probably getting a late round pick. I think the one you can get on them for is if the reports are true that. There was an offer on the table last year of a second-round pick for Sheldon Richardson. That's one where that's not looking so good right now that the Jets turned that down. And I think the Jets may look back regretting that one. So that that would be the one. The rest of them, though, I mean, you're talking older players. You can't you can't trade these guys are not tradable. Um, that's the way it goes. I mean, that's I mean, there's a reason the Chiefs Chiefs cut Macklin. They couldn't work out a deal for him. I mean, if you can. You can work out a deal for a guy. You probably trade him and get something in return. But trades just are not easy to pull off in the NFL. So I, you know, I don't think that you can really, for most of these guys, I don't think they had any trade value. Our next question: The Jets are rebuilding, but why is there so much negativity over it from the media and fans alike? You are looking at a team that has missed the playoffs six straight years. They were five and eleven last season. There are no, there's no indication of when this thing's going to get better. The only thing we really can say is that it's not looking like it's going to be this year. Uh, the guys running the team showed you signs that you know, I'm not giving up. You can't give up on them totally, but they showed you signs last year they may be in over their heads in their jobs. Um, this is not a good time for this franchise. What it comes down to, this is just not a good time in this franchise's history. You hope things get better, but uh, there's. Not a lot to feel good about right now with this with this uh, football team. So that's uh, that's pretty much the answer to that one. There's uh, there's not really a lot to feel good about with this team right now. Next question: Like most fans, I want to see Forte used more as a pass catcher. It's it's Forte day on this uh, mailbag. <laughs> I want to see Forte used as a pass catcher, especially on third down. But I would also like to see Powell and Forte used in conjunction in two back sets from time to time, since both have the ability to pass catches. That to catch passes, it would be a challenge for defenses to defend against both as passing threats. What are your thoughts? And is John Morton, the offensive coordinator, likely to try this? Yes, I, I would like to, I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure why we did not see this more last year with Chan Gailey. Um, when your offense is struggling, you have to, as a coordinator, you have to do things to try and manufacture some offense. And one of the things I thought they could have done more last year is used more sets with uh, Forte and Powell out of the backfield because if you have two backs on the field, say you split one into motion, send one out wide, say you send Forte out wide, by keeping Powell in the backfield, you keep the threat of the run on the table. If uh, Forte goes in motion and a linebacker follows him, it gives it tips off the defense that they're in man coverage. If the linebacker doesn't follow him and you you put pa- Forte out wide, maybe you draw the best corner on the other team. And Forte is probably not going to beat that guy, but you're essentially wasting a corner against a back who are you know, pretty much... You, you you might run into a situation where you're wasting the best corner on your te- on the defense covering a back, which is good for the offense because you don't need the best corner. That's a guy who could be covering a better receiver. So that whoever the receiver is, maybe a Nunwa, who otherwise would be matched up with the best corner, draws a better matchup. So 
there are plenty of benefits to it. I, I don't know why they didn't do it more last year, but I think they ought to look into u- utilizing this more um, heading into this season if Forte remains on the team. Although, as we said earlier, I think we're at a point where it does not make much sense for the Jets to keep Forte. Next question, the Seattle model. So the Seahawks are a team full of interesting characters who are not afraid of voicing their thoughts and conduct themselves as alpha dogs who don't care for anybody's opinion. Carroll is not afraid to let them be who they are. In fact, he encourages it. The Jets have also put together some some uh, characters like uh, Wilkerson and Richardson, as well as alpha leaders in the draft, such as May Williams and I'm sorry, May and Adams and Leonard Williams in 2015. Is it best to let these guys be free in terms of how they conduct themselves within reason, of course, which allows them to not feel the pressure from outside parties, or try and create a culture where the team keeps everything in the shadows and conducts itself as the NFL would want them to behave? I know Seattle's media is different from the NFL, but I'd be interested in your thoughts. Well, I think there's a lot of stylistic things. I think there's a lot of narrative going around with how Seattle's different, but if we're talking, here's the thing about Seattle is everybody shows up and works hard during the week. Everybody's focused on winning and everybody brings it on Sunday. Um, so if we're, we're talking about letting guys be who they are, that's got to be part of the equation. And the issue with uh, Wilkerson and Richardson last year wasn't so much that the team didn't want them to be who they are. They, they were behaving as themselves. The problem is that they weren't bringing it on Sunday. The problem is that they, at least, at least in one instance, we know that they were late to team meetings. Um, we know that they both were they both bashed teammates in public, which is, these are just things you can't do. You can't if that's if that's you being yourself. You can't be on the team. You, know, you you're not going to be part of a winning team. Um, so that's you know you you can't have the seasons they had, had on the field last year. That's not you being yourself. That's you not producing and. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't care what a guy does as long as he brings it on Sunday. And I understand the sentiment, but you also have to bring it during the week because a lot of winning games on Sunday is how you prepare. And look, I, I don't know what these guys, what these two are like in the lead up to games, but we do know that they were benched, both benched for being late to a team meeting. And I don't, again, I don't know how big of a deal that specific instance was. I don't know whether this was an ongoing thing. But the optics of it don't look good when you're not producing during the season. And, you know, if you're a guy, if you're a rookie on this team and you're looking and you're seeing the two best players on the team aren't showing up to team meetings, well, what's that say to you? Does that say you need to show up to team meetings? So, you know, I think that you know, when we talk about culture, that's uh, that's one of the things that really jumps to mind is that, you know, your, your best players need to be your hardest workers. And if they're not, you got a problem. And again, I'm not saying that they these two guys are not the hardest workers on the team, but I'm saying the optics of what we saw last season do not look good. And you know, when Wilkerson's going out and bashing the secondary, or Richardson's go- taking his petty feud with Brandon Marshall into public, it creates distractions. It's divisive. It's just the type of things you can't have. And I think Seattle even is getting a little tired of Richard Sherman. You know, you talk about how they let them be themselves. It's no accident that Seattle, Seattle was openly shopping Richard Sherman. They, I think it's pretty clear they were trying to send a message that he needs to get back in line. So, and you know, New, everyone thinks of New England as the button-down culture. I mean, Rob Gronkowski is one of the more unique characters there there is. So I don't think New England's really uh, tied Gronkowski down. I just think that you need guys. I think a lot of this stuff is just. Um, 
you know, narrative. Somebody's, you know, very loose with the rules. You know, Carroll comes off as a guy who's very loose. Belichick comes off as a guy who's very tight. But at the end of the day, guys are showing up. They're working hard, and they're bringing, they're producing on Sunday. Um, so that that's the most important thing. I, I don't think that this uh, the other stylistic things are really quite as important. Uh, when it comes to Wilkerson and Richardson, they got to produce on Sunday. They got to show up show up on time to not miss, you know, not not be late to the point where you're getting benched on Sunday. And they have to be, you know, they have to. I don't know, if be better teammates is the right way to put it. But I've had enough of these guys bashing their teammates to. I had enough of that from what they said last year for a lifetime. So that's, um, I think that they, the Jets need to focus on, on the product on the field. That's what I would say. Next question. Um, do you think it would be wise to extend a Nunwa this summer? If he flourishes in the number one role this season, uh, his value will jump significantly next summer when his contract is up. On the other hand, if we extend him now, we could just as easily experience a drop in production from last year, leaving us with another contract that is not ideal while rebuilding. Um, so I, I wrote about this early in the offseason on gangrenenation.com, and I mentioned I felt the Jets should lock in Nunwa up. And then I think it was, it was just ran some random day a few weeks later when I was eating lunch. I was like, oh, Jeez, <laughs> because I realized I don't think the Jets can can lock in Nunwa up right now, because you have to have three years in the league to um, extend your contract. And when I first wrote that piece, um, I said, I, I I was thinking, okay, Nunwa was drafted in 14, 14, 15, 16, three years. But what I I'd, for, I'd forgotten momentarily was that Nunwa spent most of that first season, and most of that twenty fourteen season, on the practice squad. So that does not count for his service time. And that's actually the reason he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of next year, rather than an unrestricted free agent. So I actually don't think the Jets can. Now, as for your suggestion, um, I think that it's uh, it's the ongoing battle. You know, it's the, it's the ongoing dilemma is, you know, part of a young player's value is based on the idea that he doesn't cost it. He barely costs anything. You know, a guy on a, a rookie deal, or I guess it was not technically a rookie deal because he was cut and spent time on the practice squad. But the young guy before he hits free agency barely cost you anything. So if you get production from him, it's great value. So, but when you extend the guy, you lose that to some extent. On the other hand, you can you could end up saving money in the long run because a young guy who's barely made anything may take a little less money over the long run. So if he keeps producing, you end up getting a you end up getting a better bargain over the long run. Then again, if he stops producing, then you're saddled with a, a bad contract. I think in general in the NFL, when you look at the crazy free agent contracts that are getting done, if you can lock up a young player early, more often than not, it's worth it. So I think as a standard operating procedure, that's a good way to go. I think you know, you look at these contracts that get given out in free agency. Even bad players are making a lot of money these days. So, yeah, if you can lock if you can lock a player up before he hits free agency and maybe save, you're probably going to end up saving money because the young guy is probably not made a whole lot of money. So, in terms of long, in exchange for long term financial security, you may get a little discount. And free agent contracts just keep going up and up. So, I don't see that changing. I see this effect becoming only greater where there's going to be incentive to lock a young player up before you uh before you have to do so 
Next question. What do we know about how much the Jets are likely to play zone versus man blocking schemes? And do the offensive uh, line signings and re-signings this offseason make sense for the probable schemes? For example, are the Jets planning to play more zone? Is that something Beecham is better at? Or would the Winters re-signing make, it more, make more sense if the Jets move to a zone blocking scheme? I think every team, it's very rare you have a team that runs 100% man blocking or 100% zone blocking. There's typically a mix, and I look at the Jets' offensive line, and I, I do. I think there's probably a mix of talents. Beecham's kind of a smaller guy who, in theory, should uh, fit his zone scheme a little better, but I think you know he did struggle a little bit in running zone last year. Um, I think Carpenter, who's, I guess, still on the team. Right? You asked about the guys they signed and re-signed, but Carpenter's probably more of a man-blocking guy. Winters is more of a zone guy because he's not really a guy who's going to drive a guy, who's drive a blocker in front of him, but he's pretty good on the move, which is more tailored to his zone scheme, although you can pull him in, you can have him pull in a man-blocking scheme. I think Brandon Shell's a guy who probably would fit better in a power scheme so you have you have a mix there so i would anticipate there's probably going to be a, we haven't you know we haven't heard a whole lot about it I, i'd anticipate you'll probably see a mix of man and zone and that's pretty st- standard operating procedure in the uh in the nfl if the jets miraculously go oh and 16 will the head coach and gm be pink slipped together at season's end if not, what other, what other scenarios would you see in play? I, I think it's very easy to say the Jets are in rebuilding and that, uh, you know, the, these guys, the Jets are looking at this with a long-term view, but I think it's very difficult to keep a head coach and a GM who go 0-16. So I, I, can't, see, I can't see Bulls or McCagnan surviving 0-16. I could see them surviving a lot of things, but that might be just be... That might be too much. Um, I think I just can't see. I don't think you. That's something you can survive in the NFL. I think you go oh, in sixteen, you're probably out. Um, hypothetical question: If the Jets are not the worst team in the NFL, end up with the number three overall pick, and Darnold is off the board, do you draft a quarterback or do you buy a quarterback in free agency with all of our new cap savings? As always, thanks for the great podcast. Well, th- thank you. That's very nice of you to say, and I think it's. It's a tough question to answer because, we, you know, there's so many things at play here. You know, let's say a scenario where, you're, you know, the quarterback everybody's going to be talking about is Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, what kind of year is Jimmy Garoppolo going to have? Is he going to play? Is there a chance maybe Brady suffers another injury, Garoppolo gets in? Maybe he doesn't look so good. You know, I mean, the thing people forget is Garoppolo did not even play two full games last year. Uh, you know, this time a year ago, we didn't know the name Mitchell Trubisky. This time, two years ago, we didn't know the name Carson Wentz, so it was some young quarterback going to emerge in college. Um, I think it's just too far too far away to plant, make any uh, definitive plans. Um, so I'd say, yeah, that, that's probably where I'd, I'd say. Uh, and our last question, if the Jets buck the odds and finish 9-7 and seven and sneak into a wild card spot, who's the team MVP? That's I think I, I have have a strong feeling on this one. I, I think that this one's pretty uh, clear to me. It's going to be Christian Hackenberg because I don't think the Jets can win nine games unless Hackenberg has a tremendous season. I don't think McCown's got it in him. 
I tend to doubt Petty's got it in them. I think it's got to be Hackenberg. I think Hackenberg has to emerge and develop into a franchise quarterback for the Jets to have that kind of season. That'll do it for our show today. Thank you for everybody for all your questions. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast. I'm John B. from gangreennation.com. Please subscribe to this show on either iTunes or Audio Boom, and if you'd be so kind, give it a good rating. Until Friday, take care, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.